If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 as we begin our, uh, our study of Beatitude number 2 this morning. And so, Matthew chapter 5, I will begin reading in verse 1, and I will read through verse 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Please be seated. So today we continue our study of this beautiful sermon, what has often been called the greatest sermon ever preached in history. And Jesus, as he unfolds the Beatitudes, we will look at number two of eight this morning. The word Beatitude means blessed or happy. That Jesus is preaching to his disciples that there is happiness to be found in this life. There is blessing to be found in this life. And that answer is found in him. That there is a progression to these beatitudes. Therefore, we must look at number one before looking at number two. We, we dare not approach something in context and rip it out of context and form it to fit whatever we want our minds to fit. Matthew 5, verse 2, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is a kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit are those whose eyes have been opened to the truth that outside of God's grace, they are spiritually dead. The poor in spirit are blessed because they understand their own poverty before a holy God, their own filth before the Lord. They grasp who they once were in their hopeless state before Christ. They know the Lord, His unmeasurable worth. They know that nothing compares to the Lord. They know that this life is not about them. What a blessing it is to know that this life is not about us. They know that this life is about the Lord and they are eager to serve Him. The poor in spirit are blessed because they seek to empty themselves and be filled with the Lord. They feast on his word and they want to live according to the word of God. The poor in spirit, they are those who fear God. They love his commandments. They are blessed because they they grow in their reliance upon the Lord. The question is, are you poor in spirit? If you're growing in self-confidence, you are not poor in spirit. If you don't stand with humility before the Lord, you stand before the Lord with pride. The words of C.S. Lewis are worth repeating. The real test of being in the presence of God is that you either forget about yourself altogether or see yourself as a small, dirty object. 
It is better to forget about yourself altogether. Come to the Lord empty-handed and be saved. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Call on Christ alone for your salvation. What a blessing it is to be a child of God, to come before the Lord and forget about yourself and be overwhelmed with the grace of God. That Jesus is a shelter from the storms of this life. That Jesus is the peace that far exceeds our understanding. That he is the comfort in this life as well as our comfort in the life to come. That the first and greatest of all beings commands us to repent and believe upon him for salvation. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the first step because we need to know that we have no spiritual power. We are weak and puny individuals. We must go to the Lord through God the Son because Jesus Christ is where the spiritual power is. In Christ, there is power unimaginable. The poor in spirit are members of the kingdom of heaven. They are blessed. Beatitude number two we find in Matthew 5 verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That is, God's children who mourn, God's children will be comforted. After the poor in spirit comes those who mourn. This is a progression. After one recognizes their spiritual bankruptcy before the Lord, there comes mourning or godly sorrow in the life of God's children. Mourning. An inward agony, a a grief, a lament. Once again, with Beatitude number two, we find the words of Jesus opposing the thinking of this world. Do we not? The blessed are not those who are poor in spirit, according to the world. The blessed are not those who mourn. The world desires that you and I forget about all of our troubles by focusing on our personal happiness. And we think we find that happiness with our riches. And yet Jesus declares, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Point number one is this. God's children mourn because they understand their sin before a holy God. God's children mourn because they understand their sin before a holy God. Understanding our spiritual bankruptcy before the Lord is an absolute blessing. It is not a hindrance. God is not like us. He is morally perfect. We are sinners who fall short. We have many, many, many shortcomings. He is morally perfect. Knowing that God is holy, that we are His creatures made in His image, given life to glorify Him, we need to know that we are poor in Ourself. We are poor in the inward man. We need to live a humble life knowing, having a low view of self, knowing that we are weak, always needing Christ. God's ways are not our ways. Blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are those who mourn. John Stott provided some great insight this week. He said, It is one thing to be spiritually poor and acknowledge it. It is another to grieve and mourn over it. Or in more theological language, confession is one thing, contrition or remorseful is another. It is a blessing to mourn our sin before a holy God. Do you mourn your sin before the Lord? John Stott also said, 
I fear that we, as evangelical Christians, by making much of grace, sometimes therefore make light of sin. There is not enough sorrow for sin among the people of God. Romans 3, verse 23 says, We are all sinners. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Psalm 51 tells us that our sin is against God. Psalm 51 is a beautiful, beautiful repentance of David after David committed adultery. He said, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom and the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. We are all sinners. Our sin is against God. Our sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or His ear dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. Our sin deserves death and punishment. Romans 6, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you now are ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of it is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our sin deserves death and punishment. Our sin corrupts. Romans 7, verse 18, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Our sin deserves God's wrath. Romans 1, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness they suppress the truth. What can be known about God is plain to them, Because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him because they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. I was reminded this past week that we live in a nation, we live in a country that is extremely blessed by God, but we also live in a nation and we live in a country in which the majority of the population hates God. 
Our sin, it destroys. Our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment or a filthy rag before the Lord. Isaiah 64, 6 and 7. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. Therefore, when the Lord makes this statement, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Therefore, to be able to come before the God of all creation, mourning our sin, that is a blessing. The Christian life should absolutely be full of enjoyment, of laughter and smiles, but it's not absent of mourning. There is great sadness to be experienced in this life. Great mourning, great loss, Everything is not okay all the time. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Godly grief is not sorrow for being caught, but sorrow for sinning against God. R.C. Sproul declared, real repentance over sin is generated by a profound sorrow from the soul in which we are heartily sorrow for our sins. When Christ sees the righteous person who is broken by the conviction of the Holy Spirit who reveals to us our sins so that our pillows are wet with our weeping, then we know what, what true contrition is from which God promises his comfort. The blessed mourn because they understand their sin before a holy God. It's not that we mourn because we get caught in our sin. That's like seeing two children argue, and as a parent, you walk up to that child and say, you need to ask for forgiveness, and they say, I'm sorry. Is that really parenting, and is that really somebody sorrow for what they did? It's the Christian coming before the Lord having sorrow for their own sin. Point number two is God's children mourn because of the results of sin. God's children mourn because of the results of sin. Our mourning before God may be because of our sin, or it might be for other reasons, like loss of a loved one or a trial that we are presently in. Our mourning could be because of personal failure or disappointment. It could be because of our spiritually dead family members or friends. It could be wrong beliefs, satanic doctrines, false churches, disobedient churches. There is all sorts of godly mournings in this life for the children of God. There are sins that plague our society like unbelief, oppression, injustice, murder, redefining love, redefining marriage. These and many others are things in which we should mourn as the children of God. When church discipline is being carried out by the church, this should mourn those in this church. We should be grieved that brothers and sisters in Christ are cherishing their sin more than they are their Savior. Amos 2, 6 and 7, 
Thus says Yahweh, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. Those who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and turn aside the way of the afflicted, a man and his father go into the same girl so that my holy name is profaned. When God's name is profaned, we should mourn and pray. As members of this local church, we should mourn over not just our sin, but the sins of our brothers and sisters in Christ with whom we worship. We mourn because of sin and the results of sin. God is not worshipped because of sin. This is why missions exist, because the worship of the one true living God does not, which means they are sinners with God's wrath abiding on them. Everything that we see with our eyes, all of this world, all of his creation has been tainted by sin. All the beauty that you see when you're looking out at creation, it was much more beautiful before sin entered. Nothing that we see is as it was in the beginning. The human race made in the image of God and the image of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit has fallen and missed the mark. Romans 1 explains this. It says, Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now we, we don't wake up in the mornings, we don't go outside our homes, and we don't approach a lot of people who are bowing down to idols. But we do wake up in the morning, and we go outside of our homes, and we look at screens, and we bow down and we worship a lot of things in this world. Sins in the lives of all men women and children. The result of every life without Christ is that they do not believe the truth about God. They believe a lie. And as God's children, we must be reminded, are we believing a lie about the things of this world when we are not focused upon the truth of God? Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin... And so death spread to all men because all sinned. God's children mourn because they understand their sin before a holy God. Number two, God's children mourn because the results of sin, they have touched everything. And point number three, God's children who mourn will be comforted. Matthew 5, verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This is a promise. Those who come before the Lord mourning will be comforted by God. Is this not wonderful? You know, when we think about comfort, we think about individuals who struggle and we've gone through heartaches ourselves and we've needed people to pour into us and invest to us and we've gone through times of loss and sorrow and we need other people coming in around us, encouraging us and spurring us on. Imagine having a holy, righteous, good, just God who comforts you and it's perfect. 
And so often as God's people, we fail to go to it. We try to find comfort in the things of this world, but we don't go to the Lord to be comforted. It is wonderful that we have a God who promises comfort, and his comfort is perfect. God never does anything that's not 100%. To be comforted by God, that is a blessing. When God's children come before him with godly sorrow, proper mourning, he doesn't turn away from us, he comforts us. The blessing of mourning before God is that there is comfort. The blessing of mourning our sin before God is that there is forgiveness. Forgiveness for sin. Forgiveness for failure. Forgiveness for not honoring God. What a comfort. Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 2. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her, and her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Psalm 119, verse 136. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. We can go to the Lord and find comfort for this. 1 John 1, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and the forgiveness of our sins and the cleansing of the unrighteousness in our lives. There is comfort. James 4, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and He will exalt you. Coming before the God of all creation, mourning, receiving comfort, help, and forgiveness. This is a blessing. This is a perfect gift from God. In this life, as we run this race of faith looking to Jesus, there is comfort found in the Lord. John Calvin said, Now nothing is supposed to be more inconsistent with happiness than mourning. But Christ does not merely affirm that mourners are not unhappy. He shows that their very mourning contributes to a happy life by preparing them to receive eternal joy and by furnishing them with excitements to seek true comfort in God alone. Therefore, we find that the tables have been turned. Happiness is not because we have nothing to mourn. Happiness is found that we are mourning before the Lord and Christ is truly all that we really have. 2 Corinthians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. If we are in this room and we're not mature enough to comfort other people, we need to stop and ask ourselves a question. Have we been receiving comfort from the Lord in our own affliction? Are we even going to the Lord when we are struggling? That may be the reason why you can't comfort others. It says, For we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. 
And every pain, tear, grief, there is comfort for God's children that is found only in him. I loved reading the words of Michael Green this past week. He said, those who mourn are happy, happier than guests at a party. For they have seen the depths of the world's suffering and of their own sin, and it has broken their heart. When that is true of us, we are wide open for the comfort that God longs to give. Had not Jesus come to bind up the brokenhearted? And that's straight from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. You see, in this life, we're going to suffer like that of our Savior. But we're marching home. And in our marching home, we suffer. But the Lord promises comfort for those who come near to him. Our mourning as God's children is not meant for us to focus on self. I'll say that one more time. Our mourning that we get, it's not to focus upon you. Even the mourning that we have, it's not to focus upon your sin. The mourning that you and I receive in this life, it is for the purpose of you and I focusing upon the Lord. It is meant for us to focus upon who He is, the God of all creation, the giver of grace, the remover of sin, the God of all comfort. But here's a warning for all of us to remember. There is only perfect comfort from God for the children of God. There is no perfect comfort from God for those who have not been born again. Those who have not trusted in Christ alone for their salvation receive no comfort from the Lord, only condemnation. Christian's favorite verse, John 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Don't stop there. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Romans 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation only for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you do not belong to Christ, you are condemned and in need of forgiveness. There is no eternal salvation or eternal comfort for those who are outside of Christ. Come to Christ. God's children who mourn, they will be comforted. However, this is a major warning for all of us. It's polar opposite from what the world thinks as well. The longer you walk with God, you will see more sin in your life. The longer you walk with God... You will see more sin in this world. The longer you walk with God, you will need more comfort. You will not need less comfort as time goes on, but more comfort, more forgiveness, more humility, and more dependence upon the Lord. The older you get, the more and more you realize this life is not just about you, and you also realize that you are less of a man or less of a woman than you actually thought for years. 
It's not that I'm weak. I am weaker than I think I am. I don't even say that I'm strong. I am weak and I'm constantly in need of Christ. You will not need less comfort as time goes on, but more comfort from the Lord. The morning presented in Matthew 5 verse 4 is that of a continuous action. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This is a continuous action as long as you are alive because you need the comfort of God. John MacArthur said, God is a God of comfort. Christ is a Christ of comfort. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of comfort. As believers, we have the comfort of the entire Trinity. God's children mourn because they understand their sin before a holy God. God's children mourn because of the results of sin. God's children who mourn, they will be comforted. Point number four is this. God's children will one day never mourn again. This is where God's people say amen. Like you're looking forward to a day when there is no more mourning. The comfort that God provides for his children today, it leads to an eternal comfort without mourning. Praise God doesn't lead to more and more mourning for all of eternity. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. Let's look at this together. Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1. We find a picture that is worth going back to over and over and over again. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. There is a day coming in which we will dwell with God for all of eternity if we have been born again. There is a day coming for the children of God in which there will be no more mourning. However, this day of no more mourning has not yet arrived. If someone is proclaiming to you your best life now has no suffering, no pain, their understanding is that their best life now is wrong. Today at this very moment, we have sin and we have situations in our life in which we should be mourning before the Lord over We need to bring these sins and these situations before the Lord, confessing them, asking for forgiveness, seeking healing from God, seeking our triune God who comforts his people. James says many times, we have not because we ask not. I believe there are many of God's children that don't receive comfort from God because they don't go to him. Sorrow for sin. Our sins of commission and our sins of omission. Sorrow for the sins around us, the evil in this world. Sorrow for the sins that plague our society that we see people laughing about and, and joking about. That just It is outrageous. Sorrow for those who don't know Christ. Sorrows for sins that we see in our brothers and sisters in Christ. In our mourning as God's children, there is comfort to be found in the Lord. 
Psalm 55. Give ear to my prayer, O God. Hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they drop trouble upon me and in anger they bear grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come before me and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. The answer in this life as Christians is not to pull away from this world and to long to be in heaven. The answer of the, in this life as Christians is to bring all these cares, all these burdens, all these sins before the Lord and find comfort and glorify Him as the world looks on. There is shelter in the Lord, dear saint. Go to Him. Why would you settle for anything less? Why would you settle to to try to find comfort in something that is not eternal, that is not everlasting, that is not perfect? Why would you not want comfort from God? I am sure as I am. I am sure that you are looking forward to heaven. Being with Christ. But what about now? The God who is in heaven says, I can provide comfort for you that is everlasting while you're here on earth. Are you finding daily comfort in Christ? Are you going to him for your comfort? Are you mourning your sin before the Lord and the sin of what you see in this world? Or do you just want to talk about it? Go to the Lord and find comfort for your soul. What a beautiful promise the Lord has given us today. What a blessing it is to come before the Lord with all of our concerns, with all of our sin, all the things that we are mourning over, to bring them before him and say, the Lord says, I will give you comfort. Father, I thank you for your holy word today. Father, we as your people We have strayed so far in so many different directions and in so many ways. We have have come before situations even in the church, in our own lives, whether it be our marriage, our relationships, our work. We We have brought our burdens to other individuals and we have failed to bring all these things to you, the God of all comfort. Lord, we are so thankful that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You are a God of wrath, absolutely, but you are also a God of comfort. May we not so focus upon the grace of God that we fail to recognize the seriousness of our sin. May we come before you seeking comfort that is perfect and found only in you. Make us, Lord, a people that love you and trust you by coming before you, recognizing, Lord, that as time goes on, we need more and more comfort from you, not less. As time goes on, we see more and more sin in our life, and we need you 
to take it away from us, to put those things to death by your spirit. Father, we need more comfort from you. Father, thank you for prayer. What a comfort it is to come before you now, laying these things at your feet. Father, those that are lost, draw them to yourself. What can man do? You are God, and all spiritual power lies in your hands. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray and ask all these things. Amen.